When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks. We are watching, we are in the midst of greatness right now. Like, like this is Babe Ruth-ish. I don't think that there's enough buzz here. I don't think that there's enough excitement here. I don't think we as a sports society truly understand what we are witnessing. This should be can't miss television. This should be Every time Otani is pitching, you should be you should be tuning in. Every time the Angels play, you should either be staying up late and watching the games. That's how otherworldly this dude is. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. I am Anita Marks with you. Hour two here on this Saturday afternoon, our 4th of July weekend. And um, we're grateful. Max Goodman joins us. He covers the Yankees for NJ.com and the Star Ledger. Um, so, Max, welcome in. How you doing? Happy holiday to you, my friend. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, so first things first, before we start talking, because uh, you're with the Yankees. As we know, rain out yesterday. We're going to talk about the doubleheader and, and all that's been going on. Um, I just would love your comments on that. I'm sure, it, hopefully, you, you heard coming in. Um, so I, I picked Otani to hit a home run last night. Not only did he hit a home run last night, but it was, it was close to 500 feet. Like, ridiculous. He's having a, a season for the ages. But no one seems to care, and I don't quite get it. So I, I'm, I'm curious. Number one, do you agree with me? Number two, why do you think that is? I did see that home run that he hit. Uh, what was it? 493 feet. It seems like every single day he's doing something historic, something remarkable, something unforgettable. Reminds, reminds me a lot of what Judge was doing last year. And I think that I've seen some statistics that he's actually on a similar pace in terms of his home run total while also being an ace of the Angels staff. I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. I wonder if it's just the fact that he's on the West Coast and he's in a market where it's a little smaller than New York and the team isn't always contending. It's kind of the, the Mike Trout syndrome in a sense where he's just not playing in the, in the postseason and as much as he's one of the best players of this generation, he's not in the spotlight as much. So maybe if he goes to a different team, if it's at the trade deadline or in free agency this offseason, that'll start to be talked about more. But I agree with you. He should be the number one story on every outlet uh, the, the following morning with what he's doing almost every day. It's, it's really unbelievable. Um, all right. But like I said, uh, Max, we have you on talking about the Yankees because you're there. You've got your finger on the pulse of this team better than most. Uh, let's look back before we look forward. Were you at the perfect game? I was. I was in Oakland, yes. So uh, share, let, let us live vicariously through you. What was that like? Sitting there watching this unfold, um, I'm sure you like. In, and in fact, it was interesting. Uh, me, Joe, and Harvey, uh, the two producers, we were all on air while this was all unfolding. We couldn't believe the clubhouse was as normal as ever. 
People were talking to Herman. They were showing him video on the tablet, uh, like like just another game. It wasn't like, ooh, let's stay away from him. Let's not talk to him. Uh, what what was the media room like? Kind of again, let us live vicariously through you as this unfolded. It's hard to put it into words. I mean, as a reporter, you know, you think someone's going to get a hit, you think someone's going to walk, and then finally, the fifth and sixth inning roll around and you're like, all right, I guess I got to start writing my, my perfect game running story here. I mean, he might actually do this. And, you know, we were joking, we're on the West Coast, we've got different deadlines, and this is a very controversial pitcher who's had a, a turbulent past. He's not beloved by this entire fan base for a multitude of reasons, and he's coming off a, a start where he gave up a career-high 10 runs, and yet he was able to become the fourth pitcher ever in Yankees franchise history to throw a perfect game, 24th in Major League history, he was just mowing the, the A's down. I know that's not a high-powered lineup or high-octane lineup. It's a lot of, you know, upper-level minor league talent, to be to be frank. But he was so good. And, and you go down into the clubhouse after – well, we didn't have clubhouse access that night. We, we were in there the next morning. And it's the kind of thing that can really bring the best out of this group, I think. Uh, this entire month we've been talking about how – they're not playing to their potential. They're missing judge. Can the pitching staff handle this? The offense hasn't been there. That was the kind of moment that, in my opinion, might be able to bring the best out of this group going forward. And, you know, we're right at the midway point of the season heading into this game this afternoon. 81 games in the books. We'll see if that can bring the best out of this group because it's a, it's a long road ahead. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because our conversation – while this was unfolding and, and even after, um, of course, he completed the perfect game. I said, this could, this could go two ways. Either the narrative is going to be, well, it's the Oakland A's. This is what you're supposed to do against the Oakland A's. I disagree with that. These are grown men who are paid a lot of money. Granted, it's a team sport, but when it comes to a pitcher against, obviously, a batter, it's somewhat of an individual sport. Or it could be, right. this is the game. This is the game that could turn this season around. Again, you're in that clubhouse. You're close to this team. Are you getting a sense, a different vibe since that perfect game with the Yankees, Max? Well, you can talk about the perfect game, but it's, it's ironic that the offense exploded. And we've been peppering Aaron Boone and the coaching staff and the offense, everybody, about how they're not scoring runs literally this entire month. And finally, when they break through and they score 11 runs, we didn't ask a single question about it because Herman made history. Right, so it's funny the, the timing of that, and then they made sure to get that publicity the next day, putting up another ten runs. So I think you hit it right on the head. You know, as much as anyone runs against Oakland, you could say, yeah, it's the, the worst pitching staff in the league this season. That's what they should do. But these are major leaguers, and other teams have not pitched perfect games against the, the A's this season, and they've they've been shut down by that pitching staff. Anything can happen on any given day in this league. So for them to go out there and accomplish both the perfect game, which is obviously incredible and historic, we, we might not see one for, for years and decades, but what happened on offense didn't get enough publicity, in my opinion. I think it, it, it's something that can really spark some momentum for this team, and we'll see what they do now against St. Louis, another club that's struggling in a, a series that this team should win. Absolutely. Again, um, again, Max Goodman joining us. You could see his work all over NJ.com in the Star Ledger. So unfortunately, game last night was rained out. So postponed. What does that mean? Doubleheader today. First pitch is in a little, uh, little over an hour. Severino, 
um, will be pitching for the Yankees. And, you know, it's been a tale of two stories for him this season, right? Started the season strong and then, of course, dipped somewhat. Um, you know, his, his statistics don't, don't scream off the page, but as of late, his velocity is back up to 97, 98 miles per hour. What can we expect from Severino this afternoon? Yeah, it's been some highs and lows for him. I think that he, he came back from the IL was looking like a little bit of his vintage self as the velocity came back up and the secondary pitches started to play. But then those two starts that he had after that, he suddenly turned into this glaring concern and it makes you think, well, Rodon's not back yet. Nestor Cortez is on the I.L. And Severino is churning out these clunkers. If you worry about the depth in this rotation and how they're going to be able to perform in, let's say, Wild Card Series. After Garrett Cole, who's your next guy? But uh, six scoreless from Severino in his last time out. And let's see what he does. Because as much as the Cardinals have been struggling, there's a lot of talent in that lineup. So if he goes out there and he's able to have a second quality start in a row, I think that could do wonders for him and his confidence. Of all the Yankees in that clubhouse, him and Giancarlo Stan have been the most accountable for their performance this season. And when Severino was really struggling those couple outings earlier, he was saying it's unacceptable. He was saying, I got to be better. And so that's the guy that you know he's going to go out there and give it his all. And I think that that last outing that he had against the Rangers, Yankees wouldn't have won without his performance and the way that the bullpen played. I believe that was the one to zero game against Texas at Yankee Stadium. So, they need him to continue to perform because the offense has been touch and go, and I think he'll continue to stay hot. I mean, we'll see what happens. It, it all comes down to his off-speed pitches to, as a combination with his fastball. Because if he's throwing hard, that's an effective pitch for him. But if he, if he has the slider to work off of that, that'll do wonders for him as well. Um, just looking um, even further ahead to tonight's game, first pitch uh, for game two is at 7.15 p.m. Uh, any news, uh, from what we understand, it's going to be a bullpen game. Uh, what can Who can Yankee fans expect to uh, take the mound then? So we just talked to Aaron Boone a couple of minutes before I, I went on with you. And the starter for that game, which will be an opener because it's a bullpen game, hasn't been determined yet because it'll depend on who's used and released after Severino in the afternoon. I should mm. also note that as much as the weather here is pretty nice right now, it's pretty steamy here in St. Louis, it's supposed to get pretty inclement later on this evening. And I think that the sense that I'm getting, and this is just conjecture at this point, is that there is a risk of the second game getting rained out this evening, which would then mean a doubleheader on Sunday. Just a lot of weather adversity for this team after the the West Coast trip as well. But let's say they do play. I think you could see Matt Crook, who's the 27th man for the Yankees today. You get to bring up an extra guy uh, for a doubleheader. He could pitch a couple of innings in relief, maybe eat up the middle innings in relief of whoever does open. And, you know, an opener, it could be anybody from Jimmy Cordero to Albert Abreu to someone like Mike King or or Monty Peralta, one of your better relievers. It really just depends on who's used in the afternoon and how close that game is because you want your high leverage guys coming in uh, in in the most important situations in the game that you can win. Interesting. So, so, uh, again, just number one, chance that the game possibly might be postponed as well because of bad weather. Uh, potentially expected in St. Louis, number two, what happens in game one will dictate who will uh, take the mound for, uh, for the first inning uh, in game two. Uh, big picture here before I let you go, uh, looking ahead, uh, the, the, um, the Yankees come back to New York. They've got a four-game series against the Baltimore Orioles, uh, which obviously we know how important that series is considering Orioles are second in the American League East. 
and then three games against Chicago before, of course, all of Major League Baseball takes a break. Um, you know, just talk about the importance of that four-game series against the Orioles and, and how important the next, what, four, seven, nine games are as we get closer, not only just to the All-Star break, but also, uh, for, you know, the, the, the trade deadline fast approaching. Absolutely. The trade deadline is, is sneaky close. And, and I think that a lot of teams that are jockeying for playoff position are going to start to make a decision in the next couple of weeks if they want to trade away some effective and, and talented pieces or if they want to hold on and, and maybe go after some others. And I think the Mets are, are dealing with that too. But you said it, that, that homestand is a big one for the Yankees. Baltimore is a very talented club and they're in contention this year. They're only going to get better with that young roster that they have. So you want to play well in that series. You got the Cubs coming into town and they've had a, an up and down season as well. I'll, I'll treat your question and, and go with just the injuries, right? Because it's a big week for the Yankees on the, the injured front as well. Carlos Rodon is scheduled to make his Yankees debut on Friday, the first game of that Cubs series, which is a momentous occasion for this team because they've been waiting for him all season long. $162 million contract this offseason, one of the big flashes after Aaron Judge, and he hasn't thrown a pitch in the Yankees uniform yet. So keep an eye on how he does in his final rehab start today with high Hudson Valley. Uh, Nestor Cortez is on the IL. He's starting to throw in the bullpen. Aaron Judge still feels like he's several weeks away, if not more, but he's starting to throw more. Maybe we'll get into the batting cage in the next couple of days. We'll see. That could be something in the homestand to keep an eye on. And even even someone who we haven't thought of, like Frankie Montas, you know, I talked to the Yankees pitching coach Matt Blake out in Oakland, and he said that the Yankees still are planning to have Montas as a, an impactful pitcher for them at some point in the second half of the season. So it's it's rare with this team that you get a wave of positive injury news, Anita, but it seems like things are, are in the right place for them right now. Of course, they don't want them to be missing Judge for as long as they are, and, and they're missing some key pieces, but we'll see what happens over these next couple weeks. Great stuff as always, Max. Really do appreciate you. Um, enjoy the games tonight. Hopefully they can both be played. They'll both get, get in. That would be fantastic. Uh, but always appreciate your time, especially on this holiday weekend here on 98.7 ESPN. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope both games get in too, believe me. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Max Goodman joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, we'll get to your calls next. 800 3776 Nina Marks with you on this Saturday afternoon here on 98.7. ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks. We are watching, we are in the midst of greatness right now. Like, like this is Babe Ruth-ish. I don't think that there's enough buzz here. I don't think that there's enough excitement here. I don't think we as a sports society truly understand what we are witnessing. This should be can't miss television. This should be every time Otani is pitching, you should be you should be tuning in. Every time the Angels play, you should either be staying up late and watching the games. That's how otherworldly this dude is. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you. Hour two here on this Saturday afternoon, our 4th of July weekend. And um, we're grateful. Max Goodman joins us. He covers the Yankees for NJ.com and the Star Ledger. Um, so, Max, welcome in. How you doing? Happy holiday to you, my friend. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, so first things first, before we start talking, because uh, you're with the Yankees. As we know, rain out yesterday. We're going to talk about the doubleheader and, and all that's been going on. Um, I just would love your comments on that. I'm sure, it, hopefully, you, you heard coming in. Um, so I, I picked Otani to hit a home run last night. Not only did he hit a home run last night, but it was, it was close to 500 feet. Like, ridiculous. He's having a, a season for the ages. But no one seems to care, and I don't quite get it. So I, I'm, I'm curious. Number one, do you agree with me? Number two, why do you think that is? I did see that home run that he hit. Uh, what was it? 493 feet. It seems like every single day he's doing something historic, something remarkable, something unforgettable. Reminds, reminds me a lot of what Judge was doing last year. And I think that I've seen some statistics that he's actually on a similar pace in terms of his home run total while also being an ace of the Angels staff. I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. I wonder if it's just the fact that he's on the West Coast and he's in a market where it's a little smaller than New York and the team isn't always contending. It's kind of the, the Mike Trout syndrome in a sense where he's just not playing in the, in the postseason and as much as he's one of the best players of this generation, he's not in the spotlight as much. So maybe if he goes to a different team, if it's at the trade deadline or in free agency this offseason, that'll start to be talked about more. But I agree with you. He should be the number one story on every outlet uh, the, the following morning with what he's doing almost every day. It's, it's really unbelievable. Um, all right. But like I said, uh, Max, we have you on talking about the Yankees because you're there. You've got your finger on the pulse of this team better than most. Uh, let's look back before we look forward. Were you at the perfect game? I was. I was in Oakland, yes. So uh, share, let, let us live vicariously through you. What was that like? Sitting there watching this unfold, um, I'm sure you like. And in, in fact, it was interesting. Uh, me, Joe, and Harvey, uh, the two producers, we were all on air while this was all unfolding. We couldn't believe the clubhouse was as normal as ever. People were talking to Herman. They were showing him video on the tablet, uh, like like just another game. It wasn't like, ooh, let's stay away from him. Let's not talk to him. Uh, what what was the media room like? Kind of again, let us live vicariously through you as this unfolded. It's hard to put it into words. I mean, as a reporter, you know, you think someone's going to get a hit, you think someone's going to walk, and then finally, the fifth and sixth innings roll around, and you're like, all right, I guess I got to start writing my 
my perfect game running story here. I, he, he might actually do this. And, you know, we were joking, we're on the West Coast, we've got different deadlines, and this is a very controversial pitcher who's had a, a turbulent past. He's not beloved by this entire fan base for a multitude of reasons, and he's coming off a, a start where he gave up a career-high 10 runs, and yet he was able to become the fourth pitcher ever in Yankees franchise history to throw a perfect game, 24th in Major League history. He was just mowing the, the A's down. I know that's not a high-powered lineup or high-octane lineup. It's a lot of, you know, upper-level minor league talent, to be to be frank. But he was so good. And, and you go down in the clubhouse after – well, we didn't have clubhouse access that night. We, we were in there the next morning. And it's the kind of thing that can really bring the best out of this group, I think. Uh, this entire month we've been talking about how they're not playing to their potential, they're missing judge, and the pitching staff handled this, the offense hasn't been there. That was the kind of moment that, in my opinion, might be able to bring the best out of this group going forward. And, you know, we're right at the midway point of the season heading into this game this afternoon. 81 games in the books. We'll see if that can bring the best out of this group because it's a, it's a long road ahead. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because our conversation – while this was unfolding and, and even after, um, of course, he completed the perfect game, I said this could, this could go two ways. Either the narrative is going to be, well, it's the Oakland A's. This is what you're supposed to do against the Oakland A's. I disagree with that. These are grown men who are paid a lot of money. Granted, it's a team sport, but when it comes to a pitcher against, obviously, a batter, it's somewhat of an individual sport. Or it could be, right. this is the game. This is the game that could turn this season around. Again, you're in that clubhouse. You're close to this team. Are you getting a sense, a different vibe since that perfect game with the Yankees, Max? Well, you can talk about the perfect game, but it's, it's ironic that the offense exploded. And we've been peppering Aaron Boone and the coaching staff and the offense, everybody, about how they're not scoring runs literally this entire month. And finally, when they break through and they score 11 runs, we didn't ask a single question about it because Herman made history. Right, so it's funny the, the timing of that, and then they made sure to get that publicity the next day, putting up another 10 runs. So I think you hit it right on the head. You know, as much as 21 runs against Oakland, you could say, yeah, it's the worst pitching staff in the league this season. That's what they should do. But these are major leaguers, and other teams have not pitched perfect games against the VAs this season, and they've, they've been shut down by that pitching staff. Anything can happen on any given day in this league. So for them to go out there and accomplish both the perfect game, which is obviously incredible and historic, we, we might not see one for, for years and decades, but what happened on offense didn't get enough publicity, in my opinion. I think it, it, it's something that can really spark some momentum for this team, and we'll see what they do now against St. Louis, another club that's struggling in a, a series that this team should win. Absolutely. Again, um, again, Max Goodman joining us. You could see his work all over NJ.com and the Star Ledger. So unfortunately, game last night was rained out. So postponed. What does that mean? Doubleheader today. First pitch is in a little, uh, little over an hour. Severino um, will be pitching for the Yankees. And, you know, it's been a tale of two stories for him this season, right? Started the season strong and then, of course, dipped somewhat. Um, you know, his, his statistics don't, don't scream off the page, but as of late, his velocity is back up to 97, 98 miles per hour. What can we expect from Severino this afternoon? Yeah, it's been some highs and lows for him. I think that he, he came back from the IL was looking like a little bit of his vintage self as the velocity came back up and the secondary pitches started to play. But then 
those two starts that he had after that, he suddenly turned into this glaring concern, and it makes you think, well, Rodon's not back yet, Nestor Cortez is on the I.L., and Severino is churning out these clunkers. If you worry about the depth in this rotation and how they're going to be able to perform in, let's say, wildcard series. After Garrett Cole, who's your next guy? But uh, six scoreless from Severino in his last time out, and let's see what he does, because as much as the Cardinals have been struggling, there's a lot of talent in that lineup. So if he goes out there and he's able to have a second quality start in a row, I think that could do wonders for him and his confidence. Of all the Yankees in that clubhouse, him and Giancarlo Stan have been the most accountable for their performance this season. And when Severino was really struggling those couple outings earlier, he was saying it's unacceptable. He was saying, I got to be better. And so that's the guy that you know he's going to go out there and give it his all. And I think that that last outing that he had against the Rangers – Yankees wouldn't have won without his performance and the way that the bullpen played. I believe that was a 1-0 to game against Texas at Yankee Stadium. So they need him to continue to perform because the offense has been touch and go. And I think he'll continue to stay hot. I mean, we'll see what happens. It's, it all comes down to his off-speed pitches to, as a combination with his fastball. Because if he's going hard, that's an effective pitch for him. But if he, if he has the slider to work off of that, that'll do wonders for him as well. Um, just looking um, even further ahead to tonight's game, first pitch uh, for game two is at 7.15 p.m. Uh, any news, uh, w- from what we understand, it's going to be a bullpen game. Uh, what can, who can Yankee fans expect to uh, take the mound then? So we just talked to Aaron Boone a couple of minutes before I, I went on with you. And the starter for that game, which will be an opener because it's a bullpen game, hasn't been determined yet because it will depend on who's used and released after Severino in the afternoon. I should also mm. note that as much as the weather here is pretty nice right now, it's pretty steamy here in St. Louis, it's supposed to get pretty inclement later on this evening. And I think that the sense that I'm getting, and this is just conjecture at this point, is that there is a risk of the second game getting rained out this evening, which would then mean a doubleheader on Sunday. And just a lot of weather adversity for this team after the, the West Coast trip as well. But let's say they do play. I think you could see... Matt Crook, who's the 27th man for the Yankees today, you get to bring up an extra guy uh, for a doubleheader. He could pitch a couple of innings in relief, maybe eat up the middle innings in relief of whoever does open. And, you know, an opener, it could be anybody from Jimmy Cordero to Albert Abreu to someone like Mike King or, or Monty Peralta, one of your better relievers. It really just depends on who's used in the afternoon and how close that game is because you want your high leverage guys coming in uh, in, in the most important situations in the game that you can win. Interesting. So, uh, so uh, again, just number one, chance that the game possibly might be postponed as well because of bad weather, uh, potentially expected in St. Louis. Number two, what happens in game one will dictate who will uh, take the mound for, uh, for the first inning uh, in game two. Uh, big picture here before I let you go. Uh, looking ahead, uh, the, the, um, the Yankees come back to New York. They've got a four-game series against the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, which obviously we know how important that series is considering Orioles are second in the American League East. And then three games against Chicago before, of course, all of Major League Baseball takes a break. Um, you know, just talk about the importance of that four-game series against the Orioles and, and how important the next, what, four, seven, nine games are as we get closer, not only just to the All-Star break, but also, uh, for, you know, the, the, the trade deadline fast approaching absolutely the trade deadline is is sneaky close and and i think that a lot of teams that are jockeying for playoff position are going to start to make a decision 
in the next couple of weeks if they want to trade away some effective and, and talented pieces or if they want to hold on and, and maybe go after some others. And I think the Mets are, are dealing with that too. But you said it, that, that homestand is a big one for the Yankees. Baltimore is a very talented club, and they're in contention this year. They're only going to get better with that young roster that they have. So you want to play well in that series. you got the Cubs coming into town, and they've had a an up-and-down season as well. I'll, I'll treat your question and – and go with just the injuries, right? Because it's a big week for the Yankees on the, the injured front as well. Carlos Rodon is scheduled to make his Yankees debut on Friday, the first game of that Cubs series, which is a momentous occasion for this team because they've been waiting for him all season long. $162 million contract this offseason, one of the big flashes after Aaron Judge, and he hasn't thrown a pitch in the Yankees uniform yet. So keep an eye on how he does in his final rehab start today with high Hudson Valley. Uh, Nestor Cortez is on the IL. He's starting to throw in the bullpen. Aaron Judge still feels like he's several weeks away, if not more, but he's starting to throw more. Maybe we'll get into the batting cage in the next couple of days. We'll see. That could be something in the homestand to keep an eye on. And even even someone who we haven't thought of, like Frankie Montas, I talked to the Yankees pitching coach Matt Blake out in Oakland, and he said that the Yankees still are planning to have Montas as a, an impactful pitcher for them at some point in the second half of the season. So it's it's rare with this team that you get a wave of positive injury news, Anita, but it seems like things are, are in the right place for them right now. Of course, they don't want them to be missing Judge for as long as they are, and, and they're missing some key pieces, but we'll see what happens over these next couple of weeks. Great stuff as always, Max. Really do appreciate you. Um, enjoy the games tonight. Hopefully they can both be played. They'll both get, get in. That would be fantastic. Uh, but always appreciate your time, especially on this holiday weekend here on 98.7 ESPN. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope both can get in too, believe me. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Max Goodman joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, we'll get to your calls next. 800 3776. Nina Marks with you on this Saturday afternoon here at 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Greg Wyshynski, the puck daddy, joining us now. Greg, thank you so much. Uh, so appreciate you on such short notice. Uh, but all these moves now that the Rangers are, are doing and news broke today and, and producer was like, hey, any chance you get Greg on the show? I was like, let me text him and find out. And sure enough, you say yes. We're so appreciative. So uh, first things first, let's start there. Uh, kind of, you know, share with the listeners out there exactly all what the Rangers have been doing and how active, as I like to call it, active and attractive they've been the last few weeks. <laughs> well, I mean, the news today obviously is the uh, signing of Blake Wheeler, uh, a familiar name, I think, for a lot of hockey fans who uh, was bought out by the um, uh, Winnipeg Jets earlier this week. Uh, the Jets trying to aggressively change the makeup of their team. They go in and buy out Wheeler, um, and the Rangers are the benefit of that. I mean, Wheeler's contract buyout gives him money in pocket and allowed him to sign a, a very uh, friendly deal uh, with the with the New York Rangers, uh, which was, I think, under a million dollars in total and then uh, had some uh, bonus money built into it, uh, which is is good for them. He's he's still got something to 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 give. I think um, you know he's definitely more of a, a playmaker. I think than a goal scorer. Um, but again, for the the money they got him on, which was eight hundred thousand dollars, and then uh, bonus money that could bring it in just over a million dollars, it's a great value signing, especially for only one year. He's thirty six. The other big name that was added today, uh, and an interesting one at that, is Jonathan Quick, who uh, many hockey fans will remember from his days winning the Stanley Cup with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, he was on the Vegas Golden Knights last uh, season and won another cup with them. 
Um, this one's a tricky one. I ain't going to lie. Like, Igor Shashurkin obviously is going to get the lion's share of the work. Um, the hope is that Quick can come and fill in those, you know, 15 to 20 games that Igor is not going to play. But honestly, a lot of us think that Quick is cooked. It, it didn't cost the Rangers much on the cap or anything like that. But as far as having an effective backup to uh, to Igor, you know, it's a good story that a Connecticut-born kid comes to get, gets to come play for the Rangers, but not necessarily the the greatest, most solid backup choice in my for my money for Igor Shishkin. What about like you know Riley Nash? Um, some of the other some of the other moves in in signings that they have, you know what that means for the depth and and heading into the next season. It just seems to me, Greg, that like you know they they're they're at the poker table and they're all in. Is is that what you're reading the tea leaves here? Well, I mean, sure. I mean, I mean, I think that they've been all in. I, I think you could look back at the trade deadline and, and see the acquisitions of Patrick Kane and. Vladimir Tarasenko last year and, and know how aggressive this team uh, wants to be. You know, the, the free agent market for, for the NHL this season, it is much more of a Riley Nash bottom six forward type market uh, than it is, you know, having a lot of really big names. I mean, the two I, I just mentioned that were with the Rangers last season are two of the bigger ones that are on the market. You know, I think for the most part, it is a lot more, depth players, depth defensemen, guys that can help you out uh, in the bottom part of your lineup that you find. And, and, and Nash is fine, and, and you know some of the other moves that they've made and other teams have made are fine. But really, I mean, the, the, the needle movers uh, for the Rangers, I think, are, are Wheeler and, and Quick. And the Wheeler signing, great. Quick one, a little, little less great. So um, what, what, out of all the moves that the Rangers have made, uh, which one do you think will have the biggest impact heading into next season? I'd say the Wheeler one. I mean, you know, the thing about him is is that, you know, as as long as you know what you're getting, uh, then, then you're going to be pretty happy. And, and, again, what you're getting is going to be at a good price. He fits really well under their cap situation. He's a veteran player. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy that, for me, is, is, a, is a quality setup man. Uh, can give you a little bit of size, give you a little physicality. He played. He did wear the, the captain's C in Winnipeg in, until uh, this past season when uh, he was stripped of it by their new head coach, Rick Bonus. So you get a little bit of leadership thing there too. Um, he's just a good veteran hand, and, and I know. And I know that immediately after he uh, received that buyout from Winnipeg, you know, his agent stated that uh, Wheeler had a real desire to move back east. He, he came up and played with. Uh, the Boston Bruins originally uh, when he came into the league. So that's that's going to be a, a pleasant thing for him, too, I think, is to get back to the East and, and, and kind of uh, uh, get away from the Winnipeg thing. Again, Greg Wyshynski joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, so big picture here based on, I know we've obviously spent, uh, you know, this time talking about what the Rangers have done, but big picture here, you know, based on what other teams have done as well, how do you think the Rangers uh, sit? I, I know we're a ways away, but sit in, in, in how aggressive it sounds like they've been pretty aggressive in what they've done. What's, what's the landscape of the NHL heading into next season? Well, I still think they've got some work to do. And again, like, you know, I, I think Wheeler's a nice addition on the wing. I like them to maybe add something a little bit more scoring to their wing if they can. Um, the other option, obviously, would be to try to give some of these kids a bigger role. I know talking to Capo Caco after the season last year, 
I know he's looking for more ice time. He's looking for an expanded role on their power play. So, you know, maybe you look for solutions from within. Obviously, the biggest change is that uh, behind the bench with Gerard Gallant getting fired after the Rangers lost the double last season in the playoffs and uh, Peter Laviolette comes in. It'll be interesting to see what he wants to do lineup-wise, the style of play he wants to have with the roster that he's been given. But as far as the landscape, particularly in the Metro Division goes, um, it's getting a little interesting. I mean, now, now you have this, uh, the, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes, I think, are still the class of, of that division. They just made a huge acquisition moments before we hopped on the, on the phone, uh, acquiring uh, Dmitry Orlov, who was the best defenseman available, I think, in the free agent market. He joins an extraordinarily deep blue line for them. So that's going to be uh, a game changer for the next few years for Carolina. The Devils have done some really good work in keeping the, the team they had last year together, including uh, getting both Timo Meyer and Jesper Brad on really good contracts in the last couple of weeks. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And then, you know, you look at the rest of the, of the division, the Capitals are trying to improve. The Penguins are trying to go on one last run with that core. Uh, you, you have the, uh, the Islanders that are still uh, viable and, and, and trying to get better and add more goal scoring. And then the one that, that also made a really significant off-ice move uh, today, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who uh, have a new head coach in Mike Babcock uh, and are going to try to start uh, inching up the standings and, and also, by the way, signed the number two, or uh, not number two, number three overall pick in this draft, Adam Fantilli, to an entry-level contract. So, uh, so he's leaving Michigan to go play, play with them next year, too. So the rest of the division is not, uh, is not getting any, any worse <laughs> around this Rangers team. Uh, no denying that. Hey, before I let you go, we've got a caller who's been on hold for quite a while, um, has a, a comment or a question in regards to the Rangers. I want to pipe him through if that's okay. Uh, let's let's bring in Tommy from Connecticut. Tommy, welcome in. Good afternoon. Um, I've got Greg Wyshynski. Thank you. i got Greg Wyshynski on the line here, so I, I thought it'd be great to pipe you in if you've got a question or a comment about the Rangers. Oh, I really appreciate it, Greg. It's a pleasure to speak with you. So I just, you know, I, I don't know how like impactful the quickie signing is going to be, but I just think it's cool for a Connecticut kid to come back to the tri-state. And uh, it just got me thinking about some of, you know, the notable players from Connecticut, you know, Pacioretty, uh, Shattenkirk. And then my favorite is, I don't know if you ever heard the story of Ron Hainsey when he was on the air with uh, DiPietro. <laughs> and uh, I guess he got to tell him a story and he got dumped like four times to the point where they were live. And if he cursed again, yeah, it was going over the air. <laughs> 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 that's that that's ron hainsey for you man you know it, it, and that's the thing man like sometimes these local boy makes good come back to the ranger stories are great and sometimes not so much i mean in, in the case of like shattenkirk as you mentioned uh that would that ended up being sort of a be careful what you wish for thing where he goes to new york on that free agent deal he had other other opportunities that offseason to go find places to play he comes and plays for the rangers and obviously it wasn't as successful i think as both the Rangers and as Shattenkirk hoped it would be. So, so sometimes these, these 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 things work out great, and sometimes it's just a you know a nice jersey to add to the collection. So we'll hope for the best for uh, for Jonathan Quick with the Rangers. Um, Greg, again, thank you so much. Holiday weekend. Um, I text you, you respond. You're on. You're the best. I, I so appreciate you, my friend. Have a fantastic Fourth of July weekend. Absolutely. Hope everybody's uh, checking out ESPN.com today. By the way, for our coverage because. Uh, it's not barbecue time for us quite yet. <laughs> We're still plugging away.
you got it. Make sure you do that. Uh, all things Greg Wyshynski, a.k.a. the Puck Daddy, um, on ESPN.com. Okay, uh, we come back. We'll, we'll take your calls, 800-919-3776. Uh, also, next hour, we're going to hear from um, uh, Joe Wiz with his picks and his plays. Uh, hopefully, hopefully helping everybody win some money this holiday weekend, paying for the, that barbecue. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and also, uh, I've got a special guest who's going to be joining us, uh, Derek Bodner, uh, from, uh, who covers the 76ers. He's in Philadelphia. He covers the 76ers. I thought it'd be good to get him on the program. Just some insight in regard to what the 76ers are thinking, uh, and, and James Harden, the potential of him coming to the Knicks. 800-919-3776. Still more coming your way. Nita Marks with you. 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, you can usually set your watch to it as soon as a star, there's a rumbling about a star moving. There's usually at least speculation about, hey, the Knicks going to get involved. And that's partially because of what they have to offer. Right? They can trade as many as eight first-round picks at the moment for a player. And they have some young players who are attractive around the league. So they have tradable contracts. They just have a lot that they could put together for a trade package. So I think that's part of the reason why. And also, if you get the Knicks name involved in any talk, going to drive up the price for teams that have real interest. So it's Ian Begley talking about, you know, why whenever whenever there's a speculation of a player being traded, why, why are the Knicks always at some point in time in, in the conversation? Um, and so that's that's Ian's explanation for that. Uh, let's listen in. Uh, Woj was on with Greeny earlier this week, uh, prior to, um, the, uh, the trade deadline kicking off last night at, at six o'clock. Uh, this is what Woj had to say to, uh, to Greeny. Let's listen in. It might be for next summer. It may not be this mm. summer. And I think part of that is the next time the big NBA star or NBA stars say, I'm going in the portal. I'm going in the NBA transfer portal. I want out. <laughs> right? Which is what it is. When those players, whoever they are, and you know they're coming because they're always coming. When they ask out, I think New York is a more acceptable destination for players than it had been just a few years ago. You see the infrastructure there of good young players, an outstanding point guard and Jalen Brunson. Who wouldn't want to play with Jalen Brunson? And so you're seeing that develop in New York. They have lots of draft picks. They have their own picks. They have other teams' picks. They have some young players who have value. And so I think New York's doing the right thing by waiting and maybe not going after the B-level player and say the A-level player is going to become available. Is it early in the season? Is it trade deadline? Is it next summer? And they're going to be in position to do something. So uh, Woj not necessarily anticipating what the Knicks can do this coming season, but next season. Interesting. 800-919-3776. Here's another thing I thought of when when this news broke and Harden and the Knicks. In my my head, I'm saying, well, what happened to Embiid? Guys, weren't we talking about Embiid a few months ago coming to the Knicks? Wasn't Wasn't that the narrative? Embiid, Giannis, which I feel would be a much better fit considering again, Jalen Brunson's here. And we just heard from Woj say who wouldn't want to come here and play for the Knicks with Jalen Brunson. So the kind of dark rumbling is that when Harden breaks free of Philadelphia, if Daryl Morey cannot get the value that he wants for Harden and it's just sort of a blow it up season, blow it up trade. 
Embiid could be next, and the Knicks could be big players for Embiid. That that's sort of the, you know, rumor going around that if the Knicks don't get Harden, which I don't think they should, Embiid could be in play as sort of the corresponding move, and Philly's just going to tear it down and blow it up. I will tell you this, Anita. There are people out there, and you know who you are. There will be one people, maybe two, that will call us and say they don't want Embiid. They believe in Mitchell Robinson. They like Isaiah Hardenstein. They love those two guys, and that they will be fine without Embiid. Listen, I I, I like them too. Uh, But, man, you have a chance to get Embiid here. But here's the thing. This is why they'll say they'd rather not have Embiid. And and I'll go back to when we had, I'm not sure, I want to say, I want to assume you guys were producing, not sure. But um, we had Bobby Marks on, and Bobby, I asked Bobby, like, what would it, what would it take to land, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Embiid a whale. I'm going to call um, Giannis a whale, okay? What would it take the Knicks to land a guy like that? Um, and he, I mean, he said pretty much, um, everybody, you know, um, RJ quickly top in, um, and probably four or five of the 11 first round draft picks. I don't know if I would do that for Embiid. Embiid could potentially be on the other side. I mean, he's going to be on the other side of 30. He's in a similar boat as Harden when it comes to playoff success. I know he's the reigning MVP, but... And he's also never in shape. He always plays himself in shape. So I don't know how that would play out in New York, him playing himself into shape, him you giving up that draft capital just for a second-round exit again. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that would be – I'm sure that – and to your point, Harvey, I'm sure that would be too much for a number of Knicks fans to say, yeah, let's push the button, let's do it, Let's go for it. It's a lot. It's a lot. It, it, but but keep in mind, there is a track record here in regard to what it takes to land a player like that. Right? Look at the Suns. Look at all that the Suns had to give up to the Nets to get KD. Right? So there is there there are blueprints. There is history. There is a track record where teams say, okay, well, you... X team gave up all of this to go get Embiid or to go get KD. So, you know, our demands are are going to be similar. And you could sit back and say, well, wait a minute. You know, Giannis and, and Embiid are no KD. Okay, well, you know, I, and I agree with you, um, but an organization and a team might, might feel otherwise. So there is that. Uh, we come back. Joe Wiz is going to join us, as he always does on Saturday, with some picks and plays. Uh, so excited to see what he's going to tee up for us. Again, always great to win some money on a holiday weekend, pay for our barbecue and such, um, our beers, our rosés. <laughs> and also coming up this hour, Derek Bodner is going to join us. Um, he's in Philadelphia. I thought it'd be great to have somebody uh, come on from Philadelphia, talk to us, give us the vibe. What's the mindset with what's going on with the 76ers right now? How is it that, because we don't see this that often, okay? You don't see a player work with an organization on getting traded. We just, it's just, we don't see it. It doesn't happen often. So I just, I want to understand the mindset here. 